0: to help us in our journey this evening, we're very honored to welcome to our show Alexander Starr, Emmy-nominated recording artist, songwriter, and social impact activist based in South Florida. Alexander, welcome to our show.
1: Rabbi Neil, I'm here. I'm happy. I'm excited. Let's go.
0: So look, I first heard your work in a song called Wisdom's Edge, which is the name of a philosophical organization run by Sophia Stone, a recent guest of our show. And Mm -hmm. that song starts with you saying, and I can't do it anywhere near as cool as you can. Socrates once said, the unexamined life is not worth living. To me, that means if you don't check yourself, you can lose yourself. And I, I feel like that's, having listened to a lot of your music, I feel like that's partially a strand running through, especially your new album, Five Star General, being real, being honest not just becoming another one of the mob who sell out or who put women down to further their music career. Would would you say that's a fair assessment of your work?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I feel like the entertainment business in and of itself is a business where people are oftentimes telling you who and how to be. So, you know, your self-identity, like when you find yourself strongly rooted in who you are and more importantly, who you're not, Everything that you do becomes, uh, you know, genuine and organic. And I feel like that's what people in this day and age are drawn to, you know. So where do
0: you find that sense of who you are or how to be without all the pressure of other people, particularly in an industry like like yours?
1: I mean, that's an excellent question. For a long time, I didn't find who I who I was. I was searching for who I wasn't. And, um, you know, I've been in the music industry full time since I was in high school. And it's been a little while since I've been in high school. Um, But like this is all I've done. And and throughout this journey as a recording artist and as a songwriter, I've I've, I've worked with a lot of uh, a lot of people who are, um, you know, just like my creative peers and we're coming up together. And I've also worked with a lot of people who are like high up. In the industry. And when you work with people who are at a higher level than you, you kind of want to impress them and you try and give them what they want and or, or what you think they want. Right. And, you know, I, I tried that so much. And after doing doing so much work that I personally wouldn't put out as an artist, you know, I just got frustrated. I am like, no, forget that. I'm going to make what I want to make. Let me make some music that I would listen to myself instead of trying to get a placement with this artist who isn't me, or instead of trying to impress these ears who may or may not be looking for who I actually am, let me just be who I actually am and let who I am attract the people who wanna listen to me. And that's where a five-star general comes about because you know being yourself in the music industry is an everyday battle because everybody wants you to be a product that they envision. So being yourself, man, it's it's <laughs> it takes a, it takes a lot of muscle and it takes a lot of uh, courage.
0: And I, 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 it's clear that that comes through in the album. It's clear that there's that sense of of being yourself in the face of external pressure to the point that actually that's what's most important. And if people buy the record or download it, great. And if they don't, that's up to them. But but it's uh, almost like here's my authentic expression of self.
1: Exactly. Exactly. And I feel like that's really the only way you're actually going to be happy as an artist, because if you become really popular being somebody that you're not, you are not going to be happy at the end of the day, because when you go out, you know, in the real world, people are going to expect you to be what you presented yourself to be. And you know, faking, it's, I don't know about how other people feel about this, but faking is super uncomfortable. It's just not, you know, it doesn't feel good. So if I'm going to be well known, I'm going to be well known for being who I actually am. So I don't have to try.
0: And certainly, I mean, you, you sang for the UN, I mean, certainly you're becoming very popular for being you, as opposed to being for what anybody else wants you to be.
1: Sure. I mean, I, you know, i like i like to think that I, that's uh it's subjective. I got goals, you know, I, sometimes I don't give myself credit for what I've already done, because as soon as I do something, I'm looking to the next one. Yeah, 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 I did that. But this is what I really want to do. So, you know, I've got some imposter syndrome.
0: I've got to ask, you're particularly good with wordplay. I do like clever wordplay. In, in that song wisdom's edge you say philosophy begins with wonder so wonder a little deeper a really good word play on wonder in um i'm a mess from the new album you refer to edgar Allan poe that was really nice to hear i swear <laughs> i heard a crow saying nevermore i'm raven i was like oh that's really smart so where does, that, where does that ability to to play with words like that where does that come from
1: well first and foremost rabbi i appreciate you picking up on those lines um did you catch the line before it, though? Uh, it's a uh, it's wow. Everywhere I go, there's predators back when I was Poe. Yes. I swear I heard a crow say never more. Yes, so right.
0: thank
1: you. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I- I'm just happy you, you caught that. And, um, you know, wordplay is really <laughs> I'm a nerd, man. I'm a nerd. I- I- I've been an English nerd like my whole life. So I've been rhyming since like the second grade, first grade, second grade. I would rhyme at show and tell. And, you know, I would, I would rap about my toys. I wouldn't just talk about them. I would rap about them. And it's just something I've always done. And I see that people smile. And I think it's it's also just got to do it. You know, my parents, they always tell jokes, even if they're corny jokes. Like, they tell jokes. So I kind of just picked it up from them. And, uh, yeah, I just I, I find fun in fashioning the language that that, that is around me into just something that will perk ears up, you know. If it makes me smile or smirk or whatever, you know. They'll make somebody else do that.
0: I think there's for me, it's not just the element of fun. There's also that sense of the malleability, playing with language. we We often, I think, get um, don't don't pay attention to the joy of words. Um, you know, when I think biblically, for example, I'm going to get r- religious just because I can. Um, <laughs> you know, in the book of Genesis, you have word plays in Hebrew. And people don't notice them. And it's it's comedy, but it, it does something more, which is it it almost flatters the listener to say, mm. did you hear that too? Because I think you're smart enough to get that. And so it, mm. it creates a different kind of relationship, I think, in terms of that play, which is bringing someone in on a joke and hoping that they get it. But it's not necessarily always a joke. It's just, it's the malleability of language.
1: I, I think that's that's very well said. I think you hit it on the head when you're like, yo, you're, you're smart enough to get it. Because certain things you know, especially when you're a nerd, you say a lot of things and it flies over people's heads. So for those who actually get it, they're like, I see what you did there. And that, that's like just really fulfilling. Like you put it out there and you wait and see who actually picks it up.
0: There's, I've got to ask in Wisdom's Edge, just because I, that was the first song I heard of yours and I adored it. There's, there's a line that so excited me. You said, I got the feeling that God is watching me but I'm watching her. And there's a, there's a little laugh in the song afterwards, almost. So I gotta ask: Do you understand God as female? Was this a subtle critique of patriarchal religion? What what was going on there? Because it's a really fun line.
1: Oh man, I honestly, <laughs> this could go really deep, and I feel like I'm on the I'm on the right show That's to good. to do this. <laughs> um, but you know, I feel like God is is really beyond our comprehension, and Religion in of itself, I, I come from a really diverse background, uh, which we can get into uh, if you like. But, you know, by simply by saying, if I said, um, if I refer to God as a he, then it doesn't, there's no ear perk, right? It's just a religious line. I'm just saying something that sounds gospelly, right? But when I say, you know... Um, Branching off in thoughts like I talked to birds, got the feeling God's watching me, but I'm watching her like that immediately will just be like, wait, he said watching her like it'll make you pay attention, you know, and I feel like there's nothing less legitimate about saying watching, you know, that God is a herd than saying God is he, he like, you know, God is beyond our comprehension. Therefore, you know, he, she, whatever we say it still won't encompass what God is, but at least that line will make you listen.
0: It sounds to me almost like philosophy versus mantra or dogma. Mm,
1: mm,
0: You're quite specifically saying, pay attention to every word that I use and that you use, because words have their limit as well as their flexibility.
1: Absolutely.
0: So you mentioned a diverse background. I mean, do you want to share a little about that? I mean, when 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 we contacted you to come on the show, I didn't even know you were Jewish um absolutely and so you know what does what does that mean to you to be jewish
1: Well, that's an excellent question because um you know i was i was taught so all right so here's my background my my father's african-american and my mother is a romanian polish ashkenazi jew right and uh so you know i'm biracial but when the world looks at me i'm black right so You know, when I'm walking around and I and I have my high necklace on or I have my Star of David necklace on. uh, You know, I live in South Florida. Right. There's a lot of Jewish people here. Um, They see me with my necklace and a lot of people question, well, why do you have that on? You know, and it doesn't occur to people that I could be biracial. Everybody just sees a black guy. Um, Not all, but most. And it's it's been a really interesting experience. Um, But my grandma, my grandma, Jenny, who passed away at 96 in 2013 Uh, she was you know this cute little five foot one white Jewish grandma like for the last 11 years of her life I lived with her and like took care of her Um, and every week we would go to I would take her to the hair salon every Friday at 12 and then we would go to lunch and then I would take her to, to the grocery store and then we would just hang out so you would see me pushing this little old white lady and she would always tell me she would say remember You're Jewish. Remember, you're Jewish. And, you know, we grew up celebrating Hanukkah and Christmas, Passover and, you know, whatever, like the mainstream holidays. My parents just taught me um, just be a good person, spread love and and you'll find the right way. So to be honest, I know I'm Jewish by blood and Jewish by heritage and we got our whole family tree and it's it's amazing. Um, My mom actually did a, a ancestry test and she came up. 99.4% 99.4% 99 99. Ashkenazi Jew. So that means I'm, you know, I just did mine. I'm waiting for the results, but it better say that I'm like, what is it? 49.7% Ashkenazi. Otherwise, I'm like, okay, this isn't real. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, I, I'm Jewish so much as I come from Jewish blood and I come from a line of Jewish people and I understand the culture to the degree of which I was raised with it. But I grew up in a small town in Tennessee uh, in the Bible Belt where there were no no temples, no other Jewish people for two and a half hour drive any direction. So I was Jewish from home, you know. Right. We we have to take
0: a break. But um, what I want to do to before we'll, we'll take a break, I want to come back and just ask you a little about othering. Uh, about what you mentioned about um, those assumptions about being Jewish and, and you know, being, you know, um, half Jewish, half African-American and so on. And then I definitely want to focus on your on your latest album as well.
1: OK, let's go. So,
0: we're going to take a, a quick break. You're listening to Soul Searching on KSFR with Rabbi Neil. My guest this evening, Alexander Starr, M- an Emmy-nominated recording artist, songwriter and social impact activist. And we'll be back after this break. We're back listening to Soul Searching on KSFR with Rabbi Neil from Temple Beth Shalom here in Santa Fe. My guest this evening, Alexander Starr, Emmy-nominated recording artist, songwriter and social impact activist based in South Florida. Before our break, we were talking, you started um, explaining about these assumptions that people had about, you know, when you're wearing a high necklace or a Mug and David necklace. What, what does that feel like? You, you seem to have almost like that double experience of being othered. Um, What does that mean to you? And is that reflected in your music
1: as well? Yeah, I think that's a great word. Other because I pretty much was other my whole life. Um, And I think that's what strengthened me into becoming the five star general Alexander Starr. Like, as I mentioned, I grew up in a really small town in Tennessee. So here's a triple whammy. Right. I'm I'm black and white. So I'm neither black nor white. Right. So you put me in a room full of white people. I'm the black boy. You put me in a room full of black people. They call me white boy. Right. I'm already othered. Then I'm Jewish. No other Jewish people in the whole town, like, you know, for miles and miles. So that's number two. Number three, my mom is a hippie. So she raised us vegetarian, born and raised vegetarian. Um, so literally and growing up in a small town, like people are hunting deer and quail and stuff. And, and I'm eating grilled cheese. Right. So I've been other my entire life. Uh, so I kind of just got used to it I used to I used to do a lot of soul searching especially in in the school days trying to fit in with crowds and I would always kind of like get kept on the outskirts because I was trying to be a part of them but it wasn't until I just got fed up and I'm like you know what forget you I don't like those shoes. I like these shoes I don't like you know I don't like what everybody else is trying to follow I like this and when I started being confident in what I like that's when other people started trying to include me in their circles you know um, so I feel like, as a uh, as a biracial Jew, um, I'm still doing that soul searching because there are people who are who are just really accepting. And for, for, for instance, here's a common experience that I have. Right. Uh, let's say I'm wearing my high. Right. And somebody politely asks, oh, why do you have that on? And I say, oh, well, it's a gift from, you know, it's, it's my, my parents gave it to me, uh, you know, and they say, oh, okay, is, is one of them Jewish? Yeah, my mom is Jewish. Oh, that means you're Jewish. And I'm like, oh, I didn't know that. You know, like, like they, they include me, but there's also this pushback, like, if your mom wasn't Jewish, I would not have accepted you wearing that necklace. Right. It's a
0: right? justification they're looking for.
1: Yeah, they're looking for the justification of why I'm wearing it. I've, I've actually had people say things like, why are you wearing that? You like the shape? Like, I've literally had people say some really ignorant stuff like that. Um, But they're not saying it from a place of malice. They're just saying it from, like, if you don't look like what I expect you to look like, you can't really be Jewish. And I know that there are, like, you know, Sephardic Jews and there, there are black Jews. But, like, I'm not one of them either. Like, literally, my mom is white and Jewish. That's how I became Jewish, you know. So I just think there's so much diversity that I don't necessarily put I don't put my faith in religion I put my or I don't put my identity in religion I put my identity in faith you know I choose faith over religion any day because faith is actually knowing religion is doing is following what people have taught you
0: I'm not sure I'd agree with that but that's because I'm a Reform rabbi um for me religion is a way of helping people gather together through a common philosophy or theology so that they may explore their own self and go through their own journey. You know, I totally understand, though, that for so many people, religion has been so dogmatic that it's the the clergy figures saying, you must do this. This is what this text means. And and the joy of, you know, our Torah study, for example, at the synagogue is people will say, I think this means this. And I'll be able to say, that's a really interesting reading. I really
1: like Mm -hmm. it. And, and I guess you can kind of hear that i i've i've been subjected to a lot of a lot of dogma and a lot of people telling me like you need to be this way or else this or whatever and you know i i just kind of like i kind of distance myself and i and I have a relationship with God that i feel like i feel that God teaches in words that no man could speak unless he speaks it through them did that make sense?
0: Yes, it does. Yes, it absolutely does. Yeah. And I think that's very powerful because you, as a wordsmith, transmit your own self and your own confidence, especially... I mean, it's fascinating hearing your, your story of, of being othered and, and so on and saying, no, this is who I am. And I'm, I need to be confident in who I am and not try to be, not try to be someone to please other people that you know it's really interesting to hear as you as you express this 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 way of expressing through words that almost to me sounds like a, a, almost a a, a channel I, I don't know not prophetic um, i don't know you that i don't know you well enough to call you that yet um, but i think there's there's that expression beyond expression perhaps mm. that for me it's very powerful you, i mean this this whole idea of love and religion it just naturally has to lead me to um, that line. Love is my religion. I've got no denomination. That's in five-star general. It's in sticky situation. Um, I float up so high I should be in aviation. I like that. that was weird. Um, <laughs> I keep it together, but I'm broken on occasion. Flowers in my pocket. It's a sticky situation. Um, it's such a wonderful <laughs> chorus. What did what did that mean to you when you wrote it?
1: Um, man, it was, um, <laughs> you know, in, in just reflecting... On okay, love is my religion. I got no denomination. I float up so high that I should be in aviation. I literally—it's just reflecting on conversations like these, right? Like in in this in in this global climate, a lot of these conversations come up with a lot of my peers. A lot of my peers are are you know questioning their faith and questioning their religion or whatever they were taught or whatever. And and for me. As someone who I don't feel really qualified to guide anybody religiously, um, you know, I just I lead with love. I was like, listen, if you spread love, if you live with love. That's God talking. Right. Whatever you subscribe to, if you speak it with love, God is speaking through you. Right. So that's where, you know, love is my religion. I got no denomination. Like you speak love to anybody of any religion and they'll appreciate it or one would hope at least. I float up so high that I should be in aviation. Um, yeah, it's just kind of like a, a metaphor for, you know, my head is in the clouds sometimes. And uh, that's a good place to be as long as your feet are on the ground. I keep it together, but I'm broken on occasion. That's probably my favorite line of the song because it's, it's such a profound truth. You know, when people see you, they see the together version of you. But I I do get broken on occasion and I don't necessarily broadcast that version of me. Um, But it's there, you know, and, and that's kind of really what I wanted to highlight in Five Star General, too. Is, uh, I mean, that's, that's real, uh, isn't it?
0: That's human. That's I mean, yeah. we all go through difficult times. We all are torn down or broken down by life from time to time and that's yeah. that's healthy and just expressing that because there are times that the you know starts at the songs It's like it's alexander star it's like yay but then mm-hmm. then there's that vulnerability later like yeah. yeah we we all go through this and actually what we could do is put on a show and we could you know all the glitz and glam and bling and so on but the reality is actually the message about love about being yourself about being authentic You know, and not just, you know, being unthinking, as you say, but having your head in the clouds, you know, floating up high so that you can you can be something other and reflect other because that lifts you and lifts others as well.
1: Yeah, I want you to. uh, Anytime I make a song, I'm going to send it to you so I can hear your (laughs) like your analysis of it. You're amazing, man.
0: (laughs) You know, I heard a thing about, you know, songwriters don't like having their lyrics you know you know picked apart but but uh-uh. I think really important because it's especially for you because your album because your music is so real and so genuine and and really does come out with a lot of love it really i think it's important to say you know what do you mean here because because we can learn from this you know i i might say yeah judaism is my religion right and and that should also be loving you know, I, I try to be loving as much as I can and not loving in the way that I demand, but in the way that other people need. But yes. I think it's really important to hear other people say, no, I don't need formal religion. I don't need ritual or things like that. I have other things that I do that, you know, religion is for me. Love is my religion.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm, I'm really happy, you're, you you know, you you're picking up what I put down, man. It's awesome. Let
0: me, let me ask you about one ritual, which is okay. brand brandy okay uh, right. i i have to admit i really did love the song of the sop let it breathe
1: mm-hmm. right
0: i found myself sitting there thinking is he singing about good brandy and and i was like oh he really is and, and I, it just <laughs> for me it read like a song of it sounded like a song of of continual blessing and take your time and stop and reflect and these are important rituals moments of pause Instead of, you know, just going down to the pub, as I'd say in England, going down to the pub and chugging, you know, 10 pints of lager. Actually, sit, let it breathe. Tell, tell me about that song, because it, it seemed to be so you.
1: I mean, that it, you hit it on the head. That's precisely what it's about. It's a, Let it breathe. Um, it's it's about letting the situation play out before you respond, you know, and it is, uh, you know, absolutely about brandy. Um, But I will put in kind of like a connoisseur's note when you're sipping like brandy or cognac. Right. Um, To my understanding, you have to bear in mind how many years that brandy was aged or that cognac was aged. And let's say it's a 12 year. When you pour it, you let it breathe for 30 seconds per year before you take the first sip to allow it to develop. So to develop in the glass. So if you have a 12 year brandy, you let it sit for six minutes before you take the first sip. Right. So that's kind of like a little connoisseur note that inspired the song. Um, you know, my, my, my dad, he's like a he's a he's a he was a diplomat. He was a musical diplomat, United United States Artistic Ambassador. He's a concert pianist, um, really, really distinguished. And, and when I was young, you know, he taught me about drinking. And he was like, you don't chug, you don't do that. You know, you sip, you swirl it in your glass, you smell it and you sip. So he kind of like developed my taste for for drinking with class per se um which you know it's not really that popular in the business that I'm in but this is who I am and that's what I do so I felt like I wanted to make this song to to bring class to the idea of drinking and just a a quick note I wrote that song while I was actually on safari in Rwanda we were like way out we were like seven hours into the wilderness and it's just like miles upon miles of vast wilderness. There are giraffes like two miles off the trail. There are elephant herds. You just see these animals. And I really just thought about like how simplified their lives are compared to ours, right? Like animals are born with gifts and weaknesses. You have friends and symbiotic animals and you have the animals that want you dead. And that's it, right? So that's what they live for. They live to They're born. They grow up and learn from their parents. They have kids and then they teach their kids how to survive. And that's it. And I just started simplifying life like that in my mind, like as, as difficult as that may be for a person living in the city to simplify life into just the idea of surviving. Like I just had to sit down, let it breathe and kind of like, you know, think about things in a lot slower fashion. So You know, I feel like that's that's largely where that song came from, was just being inspired by the wilderness of the safari. There's a silence out there that you can never experience in the city. I had thoughts that I could never experience with so many humans around me. You got to get away from everybody every now and then.
0: This has been just absolutely wonderful. It's it's a pleasure to listen to your music. It's a pleasure to talk to you. Um, if you ever visit Santa Fe, come and have a brandy or cognac with me, and we'll, you can teach me how to be a connoisseur. Sounds like a plan. So thanks to our guest this evening, Alexander Starr, Emmy-nominated recording artist, songwriter, social impact artist, whose new album, Five Star General, is available online. Thank you for coming on our show.
1: My pleasure. Thanks for having me.
0: You've been listening to Soul Searching with Rabbi Neil Amzwich from Temple Beth Shalom, and from the Interfaith Leadership Alliance of Santa Fe. Until we return again in two weeks time, keep searching.